folks, now stand to your feet. Let's all stand together. As Brother Ken comes to lead us. Thank you for being back on this Sunday night. Brother Ken. Amen. Page number 346 in your red book this evening. I know my name is there. We'll do that first, second, and last verse tonight. Hymn number 346. I know my name is there. sick so pray for her all the requests from this morning uh, brother up church you take us to the throne of grace bobby pray for us and let's pray together tonight brother bobby pray for us buddy father we want to thank you for this beautiful day you blessed us with lord thank you for another opportunity to just assemble yeah. together in your house with your people and open up your precious word lord we do lift to you those that were mentioned today the the families that have lost loved ones and Lord we just pray that you'd comfort them and then Lord and even in our midst tonight we know that there's people that are hurting and going through extreme difficult times we lift them to you and ask you to bless them we pray for Johnny Martin Lord and all of his family may you touch them bless them and so many others Lord but now we just come to you and ask you to meet with us here this evening be glorified and honored through everything that's said and done and in the end lord we'll give you praise and glory for all that you do for us we ask it all in jesus name amen amen you can be seated tonight an old dotty rambo song i hope it blesses your heart precious jesus 
announcements first of all thank you so much uh, our college meals are completed uh, all of that sign up is done I appreciate that so much you all helping us out with that thank you also for those who've been bringing in the clothing for our closed closet partnership with County Line Christian keep bringing that in if you would uh, this coming Saturday two different activities going on we've got the kids activity or the teen and uh, early young adult activity kids <laughs> they're still kids amen uh, teens and early young adult activity uh, uh, starting at nine o'clock and then of course in the evening evening. Uh, uh, we'll also have beginning at five o'clock uh, in the teen room for the uh, uh, college and career class. Keep those in mind if you would. Next Sunday morning, uh, right after the services, having a meeting with senior saints 50 and above or your spouse is 50 and above to talk about the coming trips for this year. And then next Monday night, February the 4th, a week from tomorrow, uh, we still are looking for a few folks who can help us out to feed uh, for our night a fellowship of Christian athletes uh, at PHCC. Your help in that would be much appreciated. All right, sweet pea, come on up here, Miss Helms. <clears throat> well, she's not preaching tonight. Go and get excited. However, uh, uh, Megan is going uh, on a missions trip this coming week. She is leaving at the end of the week and will be heading down. Give her the white microphone there if you would. We'll be heading down to Louisiana. Uh, and I've asked her to take a few minutes to talk to you all about what she's going to be doing. Anytime we've got anybody, especially a young person in our church, who's willing to give of them, 
just gets my heart. <laughs> Give them themselves, their time, their energy to go and serve others. I want us to just rally around them all that we can. So I want her to take a few minutes to tell you where she's going, what she's doing, and uh, what all this mission work is about she's involved in. And I just read where she sent me. She, not only is she going, she's one of the leaders for the group. Amen. Um, as he said, my name is Megan Helms. I have a really big heart and burden for the homeless here in America. Um, I know a lot of people think, oh, homeless people, you know, they just need to go get a job. Well, in America alone, the homeless population is 554,000. Out of that number, 75% of that is veterans that have PTSD or physical disabilities. And then you have the other percent who were people who were led astray and just kept on making bad decisions. You know, I was raised that we're no better than the homeless on the street because we should never forget we are only just a few bad decisions away from being right in their shoes. Because every choice we make is, you know, changing our future. Um, I've been working with an organization called Unsheltered International, who was founded by Travis Sharp um, back about nine years ago. Um, been working with them for three years at the resource clinics, um, which entails we go all over America, Cincinnati, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Louisiana, several other places I can't remember off the top of my head. So we partner with the local churches there that want to see the homeless get back up on their feet again. And the clinics have loads of resources. I mean, there's a medical tent, the haircutting tent, which me and my family participate in. Um, but ID cards, clothes, and then some churches will do special things, like one church convinced like a dental place to come bring their van. I mean, it was just amazing. Um, so this missions trip we're going down for, it's going to be like a re- winter revival, and we're partnering Our church partner is the missionary uh, Terry Rogers. While we're there, we're going to go on street outreach and try to invite as many people as we can. And they're going to have pickup points for the people, which is really awesome. Um, So we'll tell them, hey, this is your closest pickup point. Be there such and such time. So when the revival starts, they will come for breakfast. And I'll be help preparing the meals for that as well. And then they will get um, preached the word of God and then we'll serve them lunch, and then our resources, all those things I mentioned earlier, will open to them until, you know, they leave. So, and so I just pray, y'all pray for me and all the other people who are traveling to New Orleans, because it's not just me, uh, for safe travels, and that we can, you know, shine the light in the darkest places for these homeless people. We're going to talk a little bit more at the end of service about that, but I applaud her willingness, and uh, this is something we actually talked about a lot at college, and folks don't realize the half a million homeless population in America, 75% of them are veterans. What a tragedy, folks. Veterans, I'm going to get on a political rant now, because veterans are the ones that we ought to be treating the best in our country. So I appreciate what you're doing, Ms. Helms, but God bless you for that. We'll talk more about it at the end of service. All right, fellas, make your way down tonight if you would. Those of you that are singing, I know Marsha was supposed to sing, but we got some folks who are stepping in for her. Come on up tonight if you would. If you haven't worshiped the Lord with his tithes and your offerings, you make your way this evening and you'll be obedient unto the Lord. Now, pray for Marsha. She has arrived safely uh, up in there for Boone. We'll keep you posted on those arrangements for her family. Lord, bless the offering tonight. May it be what you'd have it to be. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this capacity. Lord, bless now our time to come in Christ's name. Amen.
Jesus, He is my high tower, the light in my dark hour. Without Him, I could not see. He is closer than a brother, above Him there's no other. Without Him, where would I be? What a friend is he He is the rock upon which I stand He's a present help in time of need When this old world has left me all alone I can feel him walking right by me When he walks in Proving once again That he's my dearest friend And he promised He would go with me always Even till the end Just as this world stands promised he would hold my hand and that I would never walk alone. He said he would go with me always. Through good times and through dark days, he would be my friend and my guide. Oh, Jesus, he's the best friend in my life. Walks in, proving once again. 
song. Turn your red song book again. Old red book 162, Living by Faith. We'll do that first verse and chorus page number 162 tonight. Living by Faith.
you so very much. Turn in your Bibles tonight to a couple of places, if you would, please. A couple of places. I want you to turn in the book, first of all, the book of Numbers, chapter number 19. Get that ready. And Hebrews chapter number 9. Numbers chapter number 19. And Hebrews chapter number 9, if you would. And as I mentioned to you this morning... We're going to be looking at a few other places, so just keep your Bible fingers ready and willing to flip to a few other passages in the book. As I mentioned this morning, the impetus for what I'm going to talk to you about tonight uh, came from a long conversation that I've been having with Dr. Johnny Pope. I'll pause a moment and say thank you to those ladies that spent the afternoon. I understand you all had a great time downstairs. In fact, I know you did because my wife came up with a whole clipboard full of activities. Uh, There is going to be uh, a a couple's Valentine painting party at Old Bassett High School, and our church is invited. Sister Elgin, who did this morning, or this afternoon, rather, will be doing this. Uh, That's at the Old Bassett High School, February the 9th at 2 o'clock. Taught by Sister Elgin, $20 per person, so keep that in mind. That will be out in our postal area for folks to sign up if they'd like to do that, or actually put it up here at the front for tonight and then move it over to the postal area. Our uh, uh, message tonight came from a long conversation that I've been having uh, for several months. In fact, uh, since an event that I'll talk to you about in just a few moments occurred uh, uh, back in September, in fact, back in August, actually. I've been texting with Brother Pope about this, my spiritual hero. I can't brag on him enough about his, uh, 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 his intuitiveness, his brilliance, but also his ability to bring things down for us all to understand. And uh, a lot of the conversation is just personal in nature. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Some of it got to be a little bit political. I won't be political from the pulpit tonight by any means, but I will give you some facts that I think are occurring in front of us, some things that we are seeing unfolding. Uh, I will also tell you that I'm going to be very careful when we talk about prophecy because uh, you have to be gentle. I think with prophecy, you also have to be very careful that you don't try to fit Scripture to your interpretation. And that you handle it with great deliberation and great effectiveness. So what I want to do, just with a long introduction, is kind of dive way down into the weeds of a topic and then for the points kind of pull back out. The message I want to talk to you about tonight is something that, candidly, I never heard preached in my 42 years of being in church. I started going to church when I was 6 years old. I am almost 49 years old, been in church for 43 years. I never heard a single preacher preach on it. Never heard an evangelist preach on it. Never heard it talked about. Uh, Barely discussed it in seminary. I remember discussing this topic in seminary at one little point over all of the sacrifices. But we never talked about a topic called the red heifer. Which is a very strange and unusual topic of conversation. I want you to look tonight with me, if you would, at Numbers chapter 19 beginning at verse number 1. Notice what Scripture says. The Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, And upon which never came yoke. If you write in your Bible, underline those two words, red heifer. 
Similarly, like a lamb for Passover or a goat for Passover or a bullock, it has to be without blemish, without spot, and without yoke. Verse 3. Ye shall give unto her, give her unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp. That's another clause that's exceptionally important. Without the camp. Underline that. And one shall slay her before his face. Eliezer, the priest shall take of her blood with his finger and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. One shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood with her dung shall he burn. The priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe his flesh in water. And afterward he shall come into the camp and the priest shall be unclean until the even. Or meaning until the evening. He that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water, bathe his flesh in water. And he shall be unclean even unto the even. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place. It shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation. It is a purification for sin. Verse 10. He that gathereth the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes. Be unclean unto the even, and notice the next clause. It shall be unto the children of Israel and unto the stranger that sojourneth among them for a statute forever. Please put your bookmarker there, and then flip over to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. The writer says, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit offered without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, again, I'm going to say this, what I said a moment ago. My 42 years, almost 43 years of being in church, I cannot recall a single time where I have ever heard a preacher preach from Leviticus, or excuse me, from Numbers chapter 19 about the red heifer. I will tell you candidly, I keep copious notes on my sermon topics and the passages from which I preach to make sure I'm not duplicating myself too much. And I've never preached from this passage. And frankly, the whole conversation began between myself and Brother Pope regarding the red heifer. I knew about it. I knew the requirements for it. I knew what it was about. But candidly, I have never given it another thought. Here's why. I will read you some things in just a moment. But Jewish history, not scripture, Jewish history tells us that there have thus far been nine red heifers. What does that mean? Well, when you look in the pages of scripture, 
You see all the requirements for the sacrifices, the goats, the pigeons, the animals, the lambs, the turtle doves. Those are common and by design, those are common, ordinary, relatively easy to come by animals. A red heifer is extremely rare. You know what a heifer is. It's a young female cow. You understand that the color red is almost impossible to come by in that animal. And while the red heifer sacrifice is meant for purification and cleansing, when you read numbers that we just read, it is written specifically to cleanse someone who's come into contact with the dead. Someone who's come in contact with a dead animal, if you will, or a dead person. What does all of this mean? Well, it means a lot. Because I, I want you to stay with me as we dive into the weeds of this. Matthew 24, you don't have to turn there. Verses 32 through 36 says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branches yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Most of you Bible students know that in Scripture, the fig tree is a type or an image or a symbol for the nation of Israel. On May the 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation once again. All of you probably know that, or most of you know that. On May, this is important. On May the 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation. Why does that matter? It matters tremendously. Because that meant that summer was nigh. That meant that God was drawing the nation back together. And in 2018, the number of, is of Jews living in Israel is now larger than the number of Jews living anywhere else in the world. They now number 6 million Jews living in Israel. By the way, that in of itself is significant. Do you know why? Because 6 million is the number that was slaughtered during the Holocaust. So now for the first time, since the dispersion of Israel and the Israelites were scattered, the number of people living in Israel surpasses living out, the number of Jews rather, living in Israel surpasses the number of Jews living outside of Israel and surpasses the number of Jews that were slaughtered during the Holocaust. Stay with me. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, The days of our years are threescore and ten. A score is 20, three score is 60. Add 10 more and you have 70. Many scholars recognize and understand there is great biblical significance to the number 70. There's Daniel's 70 weeks. There's the 70 years of dispersion and captivity. We don't, we don't know what constitutes a generation. In biblical terms. And we don't always understand the nuances of it. But if May. Listen now. If May the, in 1948. Was the beginning of that last generation. It would be wise for us to take heed to the words of Jesus. When he said. When these things begin to come to pass. Look, look up and lift your heads up. For your redemption draweth nigh. What do I mean? In that same passage. Matthew 24. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. What does all of this mean? What does all of this have to do with a red heifer? Well, you perhaps are aware that in 1995, the U.S. Congress 
passed a resolution recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. By the way, can I pause a moment and say how arrogant that we have to pass a resolution to recognize their capital. That's like asking us, asking us to wait on to what the foreigners say as to whether or not Washington, D.C. can be our capital. But in 1995, the U.S. Congress passed a resolution recognizing Jerusalem as the capital and giving a requirement for the U.S. Embassy to be stationed in Jerusalem. The problem was that none of the elected presidents would fulfill that obligation. This is not political. This is just a blunt statement. Not George H.W. Bush, not George W. Bush, not Bill Clinton, not Barack Obama. None of them would actually fulfill what Congress had passed of recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and actually move the U.S. Embassy. They've got to be in the capital city by, by international law and move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. But Donald Trump did. Now, that's not a political statement. You may despise him. You may love him. I'm not being political. I'm being blunt. Donald Trump did. What does that matter? Please understand that he moved the U.S. Embassy and opened it on May the 14th, 2018. Seventy years to the day that Israel was founded. Seventy years to the day that Israel was founded, U.S. And I don't care if it was Donald Trump. I don't care if it was President X, Y, Z. The U.S. president at that time moved the embassy to Jerusalem and recognized it as the headquarters of that country. Because of that, many Bible students have begun studying prophecy all over again because very candidly that's truly it folks that's it there's nothing left that has to happen I've been hearing about the end of times and the tribulation period and the rapture of the church all of my adult life all of my life growing up and I've preached about it on many occasions so what does all of this have to do with the red heifer well you understand that one of the things that began to happen when Israel became a nation is that they began to once again resurrect the laws, customs, and traditions of the Old Testament. They began to once again keep the Sabbath, uh, have the temple services. There's a constant battle between the three major religions in Jerusalem, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, struggling all in that one city. Uh, and so there's always a constant ebb and flow, tug of war, uh, going back and forth. Uh, but one of the ordinances that was never followed uh, was the red heifer. You know why? Because there wasn't one. There have been a total of nine red heifers in Jewish history. And there has not been a red heifer for over 2,000 years. Which is in all likelihood why you never heard preachers preach about it. You never heard scholars talk about it. You never heard Sunday school teachers talk about it. Because the Jews weren't following this ordinance. They weren't participating in these requirements. Because the animal did not exist. Until last year. Until last year. In fact, on August the 28th, 218, a red heifer was born 
in Jerusalem. So far, and I underscore this phrase, so far, this red heifer has been fully qualified to one day be sacrificed and the ashes used to reinstate the temple worship as described in the book of Numbers. What does that mean? Stay with me. I want to go back to a statement of a scholar of yesteryear. Not a Christian scholar, but a Jewish scholar. He says, According to our tradition, there will only be ten heifers in human history. With the tenth heifer ushering in the messianic era. Pause a moment. What Jews call the messianic era, the reign of Christ... We Christians call the millennial era, the millennial reign of Christ. They're not looking for the second return, if you will. They're looking for the first first coming of the Messiah. He goes on to say, Rabbi Moshe ben Maimon of the Maimonides, the most renowned medieval Jewish scholar known in history, wrote in his explanation that the tenth red heifer will be accomplished by the king, the Messiah. Now let me also tell you that it is entirely possible that this red heifer can be declared uh, impossible. It is entirely possible that as this red heifer ages and she is examined weekly by rabbis from the temple, from the temple institute in Jerusalem, she is examined weekly, and if more than two hairs on her body are any color other than red, she's disqualified. If any, that's why there have been other red heifers in the last 2,000 years. But if more than two, ha- two hairs on her body are found to be a color other than red, she's disqualified. This red heifer, so far, has lasted the longest by months. Usually it only takes days for colors to materialize other than red. But so far, this is it. So I will tell you that this conversation happened when I got a text message that said the following, Hey brother, have you heard? The red heifer is here. I, I just have to pause and tell you, I was, this was in August and I'm in the middle of faculty convocation at Patrick Henry Community College. All the faculty and staff are around. My phone buzzes. I look down. Dr. Johnny Pope. Hey, brother, have you heard? The red heifer's here. First thing I do is start looking around. <laughs> but he's spot on. In fact, he sent out a message last night to a few people that follow him. And I'm proud to be one of them that talk about some of this. You see, folks... I believe with all of my heart that the age that we're in right now brings us closer to the return of Christ than what we even understand. That's kind of the prophecy behind this. Now I want to talk about the real implications of this. Because we don't talk about the red heifer. We talk about the Passover lamb, how that represents Christ. We talk about the pigeons, the turtle doves, how they represent Christ. Can we take just about 10 minutes tonight and talk about how this red heifer beautifully typifies and symbolizes the sacrifice of Christ? Go back with me, if you would, please, to Numbers chapter 19. This red heifer proves to us that we have a pure, perfect Savior. Verse number 1, 
Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer. Notice the next clause. Without spot. Wherein is no blemish. That's why they continuously examine this red heifer. And upon which never came yoke. For the sake of time, we did not read it. But if you go down and read verse 11 and verse 17, you will find that specifically this red heifer was to be used to cleanse overall. But contextually, it dealt with the cleansing that came from defilement or contact with the dead. Can I just pause a moment and state what I know that you know, but I like saying this sacrifice of the red heifer is a reminder that the Christ we serve is without spot or blemish. I challenge anybody, scholar or otherwise, theologian or otherwise, to examine the life of Christ and find one iota of sin in his life. I told my Sunday school class this morning, I think one of the hardest things that had to be growing up would be a sibling of Christ. A brother or sister of Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the, the siblings? Of, you like him so much better. You think he's perfect. Well, he is. <laughs> you think he never does anything wrong. Well, he doesn't, actually. Can you imagine? But may I say to you, it had to be that way. He had to be sinless. He had to be perfect. He had to be without spot. He had to be without blemish. Uh, and you can examine him just as closely as this school of rabbis is examining this red heifer. Uh, and you will never find one spot or blemish anywhere that mars who he is. He's a pure savior. Not only does this heifer remind us that he's a pure savior. It also reminds us that he gave a passionate sacrifice. Go down again, if you would, please, to verse number 3. And ye shall give her unto Eleazar the priest, that you may bring her forth without the camp. And one shall slay her before his face. Can I paraphrase this? I would never change the word of God. But can I paraphrase this? The commandment is given to give this to Eleazar. Eleazar takes the heifer outside the city. This was a sacrifice that was not done inside the temple. This was not done inside the gate. This was not done at the laver. This was not done at the altar of incense. It was not done on any of those. This was done outside the gate. And it was done in a very unusual way. Eleazar gives the heifer to someone else who slays it in front of Eliezer's face. How strange. But the most important thing for you to get is it was done without, on the outside of the camp. What does that matter? Can I remind you where Jesus was crucified? Not inside Jerusalem, but outside Jerusalem. Can I remind you that when you look at the sacrifice of Christ, it was done very differently than what many of the other executions have done. James has talked about this on many occasions. Roman execution was torturous. It was horrendous. It was barbaric. But may I say to you what Jesus went through, many of them died before they ever made it to the cross. The barbarity of it was so severe. And it was done outside the camp as a symbol to all who could see. Keep reading with me. Let's go, if you would, please, to verse number 4. Excuse me, verse number 6. Verse 6. The priest shall take cedar wood, hyssop, 
and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. Three items are listed there in verse 6. Cedar. We talked about cedar just a couple of weeks ago. Hyssop and scarlet. Cedar, a type of wood. Wood always represents humanity. You know this as well as I do. We don't know the kind of tree to which Jesus was nailed, but we do know he was nailed to an old wooden cross. We also know that hyssop played quite a role in the execution of Christ on two ways. Number one, when Jesus said, I thirst, a hyssop branch was dipped in vinegar and taken to his mouth, which he rejected. But moreover, on the day of Passover... After the animal had been slain, Moses told the Israelites, take a hyssop branch, dip it in the blood. Not any old branch, but a hyssop branch. Dip it in the blood. And once you've dipped it in the blood, tap the top, dip it in the blood and the two sides. Are you following me? Take the hyssop branch, dip it in the blood, dip it to the top. Dip it in the blood and dip it to the two sides. What have you just formed when you do that, church? A cross. You also understand that scarlet thread dyed red. Red is not a naturally appearing fabric. So scarlet, that had a fabric that had been dyed red, all of that is mixed together and burned with the ashes of the heifer. What does scarlet mean? Oh, it means everything. When Jesus' clothes were parted, they placed upon him, according to the Gospels, a scarlet robe. But of course, Isaiah prophesied 700 years before it even happened. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as snow. Shall be as wool, Scripture says. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as snow, white as wool. Scarlet, hyssop, crimson, all a part of the sacrifice of Christ. We have a pure Savior. We have a passionate sacrifice. And now finally, go back to Numbers Chapter 19, I want us to read a few verses that we didn't read. Let's pick up at verse number 7, please. Verse number 7. The priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe his flesh in water. Afterward, he shall come into the camp. The priest shall be unclean even to the even. He that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water. And bathe his flesh in water, and shall be unclean even to the even, unto the even. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer, and lay them up without the camp in a clean place. And it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation. It is a purification for sin. And we got to pause there a minute, because you've got this. This animal that has been burnt, its ashes have been created. It gets mixed with water. It gets mixed with the wood, the hyssop, the scarlet thread to create a sacrifice. Now the priest comes in. He he cleanses himself. The one who helped with the sacrifice comes in and cleanses himself. But this mixture, if you will, this pot, if you will, stays on the outside. It doesn't come on the inside. It stays on the outside. Why? Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. He that gathereth the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean unto the even. And it shall be unto the children of Israel. And this is the only sacrifice that says this next clause. And unto the stranger 
that sojourneth among them for a statue forever. All of the sacrifices that we read about in the Old Testament, they're for the Jew. They're for those that were part of the Jewish family, if you will. Part of that ideology. But the sacrifice of the red heifer, which by the way hasn't happened for 2,000 years, is not just for the Jew, but it's for everybody else who believes as well. So can I pause a moment and tell you what this means? This ritual, this sacrifice uh, that was so prominent uh, in ancient Jewish history that as Paul's now for some 2,000 years uh, was so steeped uh, in their belief system that it was a reminder to them uh, that though the Jews thought that the Messiah was coming only for them, uh, Paul said it this way, he come to the Jew first but also to the Greek. By the way, that's me. That's you. So what am I trying to say to you folks? Here's what I want you to get. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard about the return of Christ. Whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whatever you've heard about, you've heard about the return of Christ. Would you listen to me very carefully? I believe we're waiting for the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. And I know that there are mockers who say if he was going to come, why hasn't he come already? That just means uh, that he's closer now than he's ever been. And I believe with every fiber of my being, at any moment, we could hear the shout of the archangel trumpet of God uh, and God himself saying come up hither like he said in Revelation chapter 4 I don't I'll close tonight by saying we got to be real careful when we talk about the sign of the times but we also have to understand that events are unfolding out in front of us so that we understand that even so Lord Jesus come quickly amen let's stand to our feet tonight thank you for your time and attention this evening Ecclesiastes says it like this, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God that doeth it, that men shall fear before him. I want you to bow your heads with me. Renee, we're going to play one verse. If you're here tonight, and you've got somebody on your heart that you want to pray for, I don't ask that often, but there's somebody on your heart tonight that the, this kind of preaching makes you nervous because they're not ready. Why don't you make your way down right now? Don't you come right now. And Courtney, I want you to come right up here, honey. If you can, no, you sit right there. Let me get some of you ladies come around here and pray with Courtney, if you would. If uh, she hasn't given birth this week, they're going to induce her Thursday. Thursday. So we're going to pray for safe delivery. No problems, no complications. Ladies, you just come around and pray with her tonight if you would. I'm going to lead us to the throne room. Father, we love you this evening. We thank you for this wonderful, wonderful passage. For this reminder, Lord, what it means to be a believer. Lord, just when we think uh, we can't learn something else, you step in, you remind us that there's even more to understand. Lord, we see events unfolding in front of us in the nation of Israel. Israel becoming a nation. The recognition of the capital city of Jerusalem. Seventy years to the day that Israel became a nation. Lord, I just don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in divine intervention. So Lord, I pray that you take each one of these things and help be a reminder to us. To live like at any moment you could return. 
because I believe that's true. Lord, I pray for all of these folks that are gathered around this altar tonight. For the names of the loved ones that they're calling out who may not be ready for the return of Christ. Lord, I pray tonight that as we await the rapture of the church, Lord, that we would live in such a way that we understand that at any moment that trumpet could sound and we'd be out of here. Lord, I pray for Courtney that you'd give her safe birth this week, that there'd be no problems, there'd be no complications. Lord, I pray that your divine will would be done. Lord, we'd celebrate a new life coming into existence. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Christ's name. Just keep fellowshipping, keep praying. I'm going to ask you to, when you're done, to head back to your seat if you would. Would you be seated for two seconds for me? Ushers, would you make your way down? I want us to take up a very quick offering tonight to help Megan on her journey as she heads down to the mission field. If you use our online system, Brother Scott told me right before our preaching that he's already set that up so you can use that, whatever you want to use. And all of, everything that you give will go straight to her. If you want to write a check, make it out to SAGBC, but everything will go to her. Father, bless the offering. Thank you for Megan and for her desire to be used on the mission field. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Thank you for your presence tonight, Lord, and your meeting with us. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Fellowship with each other.